Welcome to the first ever episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast of the Grove Church where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that is deep but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along with us, you can download the Version Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Reading Plan. You can also find Bible reading plans in the lobby of the church any Sunday. Uh, my name's Evan. I'm here with Connor O'Brien. How you guys doing? And we are so excited to start this journey with all of you. We're so excited to be able to really do something that we're passionate about, and that is talk about the Bible, talk about the incredible truth that is inside of there. There's just a few things we can let you guys know about before we get started. Yeah. First things first, uh, we want to hear from you guys. Uh, we're going to invite you guys to actually email questions in. Um, so if you do have a question that you would like answered about the Bible, uh, email your question to info at grove.church. That's info at grove.church. Um, man, we want to interact. We want to see what your guys' thoughts are. Send us even comments about how you're liking the podcast, you know? Um, but here's the deal. Obviously, we probably won't be able to get to every single uh, question every single week, but we're going to try our best to um, just answer whatever we can. Absolutely. The last thing I want to make sure we talk about is for this year's Bible reading plan, we're doing something a little bit different. We're actually reading through the New Testament twice. We're reading through the Old Testament once, the New Testament twice. And so there'll be a few sections where maybe we kind of skip over parts of the New Testament. Uh, just know that we're, we, will, we will be coming back. We're going to be going over everything. With that being said, let's go ahead and get started with this week's readings. The first book that we're going to start off with this week is, fittingly, the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible, and so it's the first book that we're going to tackle uh, during this week's readings. Genesis is a book about the beginnings of the human race and the Hebrew people in particular. Uh, it's the first book in a group of books called the Pentateuch, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Genesis is the first one of those, and its authorship is attributed to Moses. Now, one of the things I like um, really about the fact that Moses wrote these books is, is God uses a situation that on the face of it is actually bad. If we remember the life of Moses, uh, the, ch the children of Israel are being persecuted. Moses' mother sends him down the river in a basket just in hopes of maybe finding a better life. And he actually gets taken in to Pharaoh's household. Now, out of that tragedy, out of the tragedy of all of these children being murdered, God actually uses Moses and the special education that he receives in order to do something incredible, which is these first five books of the Bible. Moses was uniquely qualified to be able to write them uh, because at the time, most of the Hebrew people were enslaved. So they weren't educated people. They most likely didn't know how to read and write. And God used Moses to do something incredible. Yeah. As we kind of read into the backstory of Moses, um, as we discuss it, we see that, you know, Moses really was a miracle baby. And um, it's amazing to see how God can take an entirely horrible situation and actually turn it around for his good as we see Moses um, is now raised in the Pharaoh's household. He gets education. He even has influence. Uh, and through that, he actually um, is able to, I, I think, really learn leadership from a young age to sure. when he does lead these people out of Egypt. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk more about Moses coming up when we get into the book of Exodus. Uh, but for Genesis, there's really two sections to the book. The first section of the book takes this kind of 
macro overview of from creation really up until Abraham. And so we span thousands of years. We get little snippets here and there of stories. And then for the second half of Genesis, it really zooms in and focuses on this one family. So obviously it, we start off with Abraham and Sarah. It then moves to their son Isaac, to their son Jacob. And then Jacob has 12 sons who ultimately become the 12 tribes of Israel. And so Genesis is a book of really 30,000 feet, but also a book of just really dealing with individual families. And and one thing I'll say before we continue on, it's really important to look at people for who they are. The Bible doesn't present the its characters as being perfect, morally awesome people. God uses people the way that they are. They make mistakes, and we learn from the mistakes that these people make in the book of Genesis. Yeah. And with Abraham and his family, uh, we go on to a story of a guy named Noah. Um, being in Seattle, we know a lot about rain, and <laughs> Noah's story is all about rain. Uh, and the stories of you know creation, Noah, uh, other things such as you know Cain and Abel, we see actually a picture of God starting from the very beginning. It's a, It's really a display of God's both wrath and his mercy and his love for um, the human race that he created for a relationship with him. Yeah. And I think it's so easy when we think about our relationship with God to let the pendulum swing from one end to the other. So on the one hand, we can focus on the fact that God hates sin. And the Bible makes that very clear. In fact, in the story of Noah, he floods the entire earth because of how sinful people are being. Um, But we also sometimes won't focus on the mercy of God and how every time in the Bible that we see God's wrath poured out, we also see his mercy poured out in a different way. In the story of Noah, it's really obvious because he floods the earth, but he gives a way out for this family. But even in the story of Adam and Eve, which we're reading this week, uh, God removes them from the garden. He says they can never come back. But at the same time, he promises that eventually Jesus is going to come. He doesn't use the name Jesus, but that's who he's talking about. And that sin and death will be defeated, which I think is a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember, even in our faith journeys, is that we need to not have our faith swing from one end of the pendulum to the other on the sense of, well, God is so angry at me and he's so vengeful about my sin. I need to do everything in my power not to sin. Or the other pendulum swing is, well, there's grace for my sins. And so if there's grace, I can keep on sinning. Mm -hmm. And really, even from the beginning of this book uh, of Genesis, we see uh, really a picture of who God is calling us to be. And it's not people who are too extreme one side or the other, but it's really to have a balanced relationship with him, understanding that, yes, there are consequences to my sin, but on the other hand, God forgives my sin. Now, that doesn't give us liberty to keep sinning, but really it should be a driving factor to live as holy as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And I think the the mercy of God inspires us to live as sinless as we can. It's not because we think we need to earn, God, earn God's affection. We know that we have it, but rather it's because God has already shown us love. He's already shown us mercy. Why then would we continue to do things that grieve him? The last Old Testament book this week is the book of Job, which we're actually going to go over in our next episode. There's only a couple chapters in this week's reading. Um, and Job is a big book with a lot of deep, interesting questions. And so next week, we're really going to dive in to what that book is about. For this week, it's all narrative. So just kind of take a look. It sets up the story of the book of Job, and we'll hit more on that next week. So the first New Testament book that we're getting into this week is the book of Jude. Now, Jude is one of those fun books to read because it's a little bit short. You can read it in about 10, 15 minutes, and then you can say, 
I read a book of the Bible today, a whole book. And so uh, it's, pre- it's pretty great that way. Jude is a brother of Jesus. He opens his book saying that he is a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. James, we know, is the brother of Jesus, and he was actually the bishop in the Church of Jerusalem for many years. Jude is what we call an epistle, which is just a fancy word meaning a letter. Um, in particular, when we look at the New Testament, almost all of the books of the New Testament are letters from apostles to people in the church, with the exception of the Gospels and Acts and then the book of Revelation. The rest of them are all individual apostles, individual disciples writing to churches about issues. And the issue that Jude is writing about is really this idea that false teachers are beginning to make their way into into the church. What's special about Jude is that because it's one of the latest letters that we have in terms of when it was written, um, it's dealing with issues of an already established and mature church. The church has been around for decades. Um, It's not so much in the planting phase, in the areas where he's writing to, but really the church is going, and then all of a sudden these are issues that are beginning to creep up. Yeah, and I think it's uh, really important to note that as Jude talks about warning us against false teachers is that that's still applicable to us today. Absolutely. Um, The reason why we do podcasts such as, uh, you know, going over what our Bible reading plan is, it isn't so that uh, we can just say, look at all the knowledge we have. It's really to equip everybody possible with as much knowledge when reading the Bible so we have a proper lens to view it from. So then if we do hear false teaching, we actually have a way of discerning whether or not that that teaching is true or not. Yeah, it's, it's so easy to just take verses of the Bible out of context. And you can twist it to mean anything that you want. Like one of my favorite examples is there's a verse in the Bible that says, now that man is united, nothing can stop them, which sounds great. And you could say that and you could be like, we need to unite and we need to be together. And then when you move on to the next verse, it's about the Tower of Babel and how it's a bad thing and God like God's wanting to stop it. And not that the idea of uniting is bad, but the idea is it's very easy to just take one snippet remove it from all of its context, and then twist it to make it mean whatever you want it to mean. And and Jude is very clear. We need to take the Bible seriously. We need to take our faith seriously. We need to take Christianity seriously. Um, It's not something just to be thrown around, but anytime we make statements about who God is, we need to really be in prayer about, am I saying the right things? Am I believing the right things? Search the scriptures. And, And God is faithful. God will always reveal to us the truth. And with Jude, uh, as we're wrapping this book up, I want to make sure, you know, we just emphasize one more time, context is so important. Um, There are things that are written in context, even cultural context, that uh, don't necessarily translate over to our uh, context in, you know, a couple thousand years later. So we always got to make sure we take the inherent truth of scripture, which will always apply regardless of our context. Even if the cultural context changes, the inherent truth of scripture never does. The next book we're moving on to is the book of Luke. Um, Luke is the third of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, These are the first four books of the New Testament. And the Gospels really deal with the life of Jesus and his miracles. Um, Some books go deeper into the life of Jesus. Other books kind of just give a snapshot. But uh, Luke was extremely educated for his day. And he was uniquely qualified to write the story of Jesus. He was a doctor and he was actually commissioned by a man named Theophilus to write the story of Jesus. Um, So really Luke is essentially, um, I don't know if you want to call it a documentary or a A reporter almost. Yeah. Yeah. He he was somebody who was doing research. So he was essentially trying to get down to the truth 
of who this guy Jesus was. Now, Luke is also the author of Acts, which we're going to get into, um, I don't know, in in a few weeks. Um, But it's funny, we always attribute Paul to writing most of the New Testament. But if we actually look from a content perspective, the book of Luke and the book of Acts actually make up most of the New Testament. And so though Paul has written more books of the New Testament, Luke actually has most of our content that we read from. Uh, He interviewed eyewitnesses and compiled records of both the life of Jesus and um, in the book of Acts of the the early church. Uh, And the book of Luke covers the time of Jesus's birth all the way through his resurrection. And one of the fun things when when we look at the books that Luke wrote, uh, in Acts, there's actually a point where it shifts from third-person narration into first-person narration. Or in other words, it goes from, and then Paul did this, and then Peter did this, and then so-and-so, to all of a sudden, and then Paul and I did this. And we, and we get to see when Luke actually joins Paul on all of his journeys, and it stops being this research account, and it, it really starts to be this first-hand account of what's going on. A short thing that we wanted to highlight this week in the book of Luke is actually in chapter 5 when Jesus calls his first disciples. I think it's really important for us to pay attention to who he calls. We've talked a lot today about Moses and and Luke being very educated. Like we said, they're both uniquely qualified to be able to write down the things that God was having them write down. But with the disciples, Jesus makes some really interesting choices for who he calls. In, In the book of Luke, we see he calls Peter, James, and John first, who are fishermen. Uh, These were not educated people in their day. They were workers. They made a good living. But at the same time, these weren't people sitting around discussing philosophy and theology and all these different things. They were just simple working people who Jesus knew and wanted to be a part of his discipleship. And, And the other person is Levi. Levi eventually would have his name changed to Matthew, and that's what we know him as today. He's the author of the Gospel of Matthew, and he's what was called a, a tax collector. And it, it's really interesting because we don't have a parallel today, uh, mostly because we don't live in a country that's ruled by another country. But the people of Israel were, were ruled by Rome, and they oppressed the people of Israel. They gave taxes to them. And the tax collectors were famous for not only taking money from the people to fund their oppressors, but also they would take extra money beyond what they needed. They would pad their own pockets. Tax collectors were oftentimes the richest people in town because they could just tell you a number and they would give whatever Rome wanted. And then after that, they would line their own pockets. And Jesus takes one of these men and he calls them into his ministry. Yeah. And these are not just... Um, I don't think we can stress it enough. These are the most hated people in the entire country, Mm -hmm. really. Um, I would even go as far as to say that these people are probably more hated than Rome because I think there's some understanding of back in this day, countries took over other countries. It was just kind of a way of life. Mm -hmm. But to actually turn on your brothers and your your own neighbor and serving this other country who they didn't want to be in charge anyways. And instead, now not only are they working for them, they're stealing from you. Uh, I think there's just a little bit of added hatred in there. And um, I mean, I don't like paying taxes, but we gotta. (laughs) But in this day, it was, hey, you're going to pay taxes to Rome. And by the way, you're going to fund my 401k uh, for what I want to do. But yeah, so they were super hated, um, probably the most hated people in all of scripture. 
Um, the last book we want to overview real quick is the final book in the Bible, uh, Revelation. Um, this was written by the Apostle John when he was basically marooned on the Isle of Patmos. Um, he was taken prisoner by uh, Rome, and then we don't really get a lot of backstory, but eventually Rome probably just was like, you know what, we're sick and tired of hearing this guy talk about Jesus. We're going to put him on an island, and we're not going to pay attention to him anymore. He gets a revelation from God, and uh, this book is just a bunch of visions that God is giving to John, and he's writing them down as he sees them. And one thing it's really important to remember as we're reading the book of Revelation, um, I think there's a lot of, um, I don't know, mysticism around Revelation, mm-hmm. a lot of um, misinterpretation. And what we got to remember, as we need to remember in all scripture, not just Revelations, we got to remember to keep the main thing the main thing and not get distracted by maybe some weird imagery or maybe a different way of, of, of you know, the verses stated. We need to really look for the inherent truth in the scripture. And uh, the whole main theme is that Jesus is coming back and God will reign over a new heaven and a new earth with all of those who love him. Yeah, keep the main thing the main thing. Revelation is not meant to be a calendar that we can look at and see when it's coming back or when Jesus is coming back. But it does give us a glimpse into what is going to happen, which I think is a beautiful thing. And, and one of the things that we don't talk about with Revelation very often is how it really is this this mercy to John. John, at, at this point, is an old man. Um, it's it's going to sound really morbid to say, uh, but all of his friends are dead. All of the other disciples have been uh, killed for preaching Jesus. John is the last one. He's exiled. And it would be very easy for us to read the story and just kind of see him as he's he's an old man. He dies alone. And that's kind of what happens. Um, but God uses in his mercy, he gives John these final visions. And, and from it, we get one of the most uh, lasting books of the Bible and, and one of the most hope-filled. Because again, there's all this interesting imagery that's hard to interpret about uh, the last days on earth. But once we get through everything, some of the most beautiful passages of the Bible are describing what the new heaven and the new earth is going to be like. That's where we get the imagery of God wiping away all of our tears, where we get to be with him, the river of life. It's just an incredible book. And I love the fact that God shows John this mercy to give him this final revelation to be able to write about. Yeah. And it's very, very important. I can't stress this enough is when we do read the Bible is to not approach the Bible and the scriptures with some preconceived notions. Um, the book of Revelation is not the Left Behind series. It is what? not. I know. <laughs> shocker. This is a letter from, or this is, a, this is a message from God for us. And it shouldn't be something that we're afraid of. It should be something that we are looking forward to. Um, the Left Behind series came out. And I know a lot of people gave their heart to Jesus because they were afraid, um, especially when we had that massive earthquake here in Seattle. We actually, my family had a personal friend who was inside of a mall and the, the earthquake happened and she had just read one of these books and she thought Jesus was coming back and she gave her heart to the Lord right then and there. And it really wasn't out of like a need for Jesus. It was out of a fear. Now, luckily she has come to that point and she's still serving faithfully in the church that she had. But uh, just remember the book of Revelation is a message from God to us, and it should be read as an encouragement, not as something to be afraid of. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for this week of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we are not the only podcast from the Grove Church. If you would like to check out the other podcasts that we offer, you can see all of that on our website at grove.church. 
Next week, we'll be tackling the second week of the Solid Life whole Bible reading plan. Make sure to keep up with it. We'll see you all then.